When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Welcome to the Curzon Podcast. I am Hannah Seymour and I am here with Jenna Hobbs. Hello, Jenna. Hello, hello. And Freddie Choddle. <laughs> hello, hello. Is that how you say on the surname? Yeah, yeah, Choddle. Choddle, Choddle. You work at the uh, Curzon too? Yes, I do. Front of house stuff. Mm-hmm. And have just seen John Favreau's Jungle Book, which is what Let we're here to talk out. about today. Absolutely. It's good to have you here. Very nice to be here. Good to see you too, Jenna. Oh, thanks, Helen. It's always nice to be back in room. So we just, uh, well, me and Jenna saw the Jungle Book yesterday. Mm-hmm. We loved it. We did. I um, saw it today in 3D. Yeah, because we only saw it in 2D, so we didn't get the full experience. And I also loved it. It's hard not to love it, isn't it? Don't you think? I just think it's magical, and I think any of us have all watched the original as children, so there's a special connection there, and rewatching it just makes you feel like a child again. Yeah, absolutely. It's beautiful, like mm. the you were saying in three D. I'm sure it kind of yeah, three D is it's fantastic. I mean, it opens with a sort of Disney logo, mm-hmm. and uh, it is a it's a really well conceived, I think, amalgamation of Kipling's classic and the sort of Disney animation, and it c- kind of gives way to the famous sort of minarets and towers of the Disney logo, mm-hmm. and then it suddenly you're plunged into this Indian jungle, which is ultra sort of photorealistic. And it, with 3D as well, mm. it, it just adds a lot more sort of depth and texture. And I, I really enjoyed it. I've never been a, a sort of prominent sort of fan of 3D. Mm. But I actually thought this film was one of those films that, you know, really works perfectly. Yeah, I always actively avoid 3D. And I hate to be one of those people who's like, no, not 3D. But it kind of gives me a bit of a headache. And there's only been a few films where I've felt it wasn't just for the gimmick. Obviously... Avatar, it was the gimmick, but it was also an amazing 3D experience. But other films, I just find at the beginning of the film, you get like a shot out and the rest of it, you're just sort of like, what's the point of me wearing these glasses? But (laughs) you were sort of saying Jungle Book. Yeah, because I agree with you. I think a lot of 3D opens itself up for sort of accusations of just, yeah, sort of, as you say, gimmick Mm. or gimmickry. And uh, this film, to me... Uh, really came alive uh, with sequences. The sequences really that I was struck by were um, probably fire. Any use of fire in this mm. film, sort of the the red flower, is particularly um, particularly strong. I think uh, a sequence where Mowgli meets uh, Carr, voiced by Scarlett Johansson, 
is particularly impressive mm. uh, because you have this sort of giant snake that actually looms out of the screen towards you and you feel as if you're being hypnotized you're the subject of uh, Carl's sort of uh, murderous intentions as mm. it turns out or near murderous intentions so yeah I thought it, it worked fantastically well I might go and see it again in 3D I think I will as well yeah. but like I've missed out a little bit on the full experience because I can just imagine though. that jungle kind of feeling like it's surrounding you as well I want to be in a jungle <laughs> yeah <laughs> I think as well like it has a uh, we're talking about the sort of changes in light and tone uh -huh. and I think in 3D as well you go from these sort of stark contrasts and I think the film is often built around these kind of stark contrasts in the way uh, the jungle is lit particularly so you go from sort of arid arid beginning mm -hmm. where you have this this drought mm -hmm. and, and most of the action the plot take kicks off from this uh, sort of desolate start and then it, you go through stages in the jungle and you go through sort of uh, kind of nightmarish mud sloped ravines and sort of deep dark kind of um, tenebrous jungle and mm. then you get to these wonderfully lush verdant uh, meadows that's the you know the brilliantly voiced uh, Baloo by Bill Murray yeah. occupies and you have this kind of I think that's the only you have these little concessions towards Disney at this point it is a Disney property now mm. and um, when you get Baloo I think that's the closest you feel to that sort of Disney classic yeah the original yeah I think Baloo is is a constant reminder because you have the sort of wise cracking Bill Murray mm -hmm. who actually speaks verbatim some of the lines of uh, kind of Phil mm -hmm. Harris who originally voiced Baloo and made it quite an iconic screen character yeah so I think that that's great I think that sort of it doesn't pay it's not slavishly attentive yeah I think I think that's a really interesting thing that we should talk about is that it's, it doesn't feel like they've said we have to follow the original Jungle Book to the letter the whole way through at all in fact I think it's quite different in lots of yeah I think uh, Mowgli as well He's, yeah. a lot of Mowgli's uh, sort of idiom is quite sort of 21st century definitely you know, there's a lot of the usage of the word cool and stuff like that <laughs> yeah so you have kind of Kipling sitting alongside sort of like uh, 21st century slang and I actually thought it, you know it's quite pleasing so yeah I, there were moments where it was a bit too like goofy I was like this is slightly like honey I shot the kids yeah. in some <laughs> of the like, language but then I was like hang on Helen this is a children's film yeah. like, <laughs> calm down and, and I really like yeah I think it did work as a whole in that way that the language sat next to each other it kind of differs there's a nice kind of backstory that you get a little bit more than you do in the original mm. and there's a diversion from the original and you see a little bit more of the wolves and there's some things that happen with them that um kind of add to the emotional tension yeah and kind of reasons for why characters do things and i think yeah all of the things that have been expanded upon or slightly changed um, I think what they aim to do and what they have done for me is really connect the emotional side of the story more and Mowgli's journey mm. and all the relationships he has with the animals in the original they're just they happen so quickly that you don't form such huge attachments as you do in the original and this sorry in this production of it yeah I think I mean in this version of it I think a lot of the action feels a much much more fluid mm. and the sort of transition from scene to scene seems more natural whereas if you go back to the, I mean I rewatched the Disney version mm. a couple of weeks ago and it is pretty episodic yeah. and some of the links between scenes are a little bit more um, jarring and not as smooth and I really liked the way that you'd have a sort of a visual flourish mm -hmm. in, in this version particularly that, that felt more sort of effortless and it didn't feel as clunky I mean rewatching the Disney film I felt was a little bit it wasn't as strong 
to me. Yeah. My memory, my sort of nostalgia tint of memory really coloured it quite strongly. Yeah. It's still a, it's still a really good film. Yeah. But, but this, this version I thought had, you know, handled those, those changes. Yeah, that's exactly what I thought. I rewatched part of it this morning and it felt like it was like this little scene, yeah. this little skit followed by this one, by this one, kind of pieced together rather than this whole narrative arc that we've got in the updated version. I mean, I'm sure we all said that when we were children. Like, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I liked it, Mom, but it was a bit jarring. <laughs> yeah, these vignettes are troubling yeah. to Well, I think as well, in the original, I think a lot of it is built around the uh, the, the sort of musical number. Yeah. And I think maybe we should talk about the use of music in this film. Absolutely. And actually, mm. the fact that you do get two references back to that film, uh, Baloo singing Bare Necessities and King Louis, voiced by Chris Walken, uh, singing I Want to Be Like You. Yeah. yeah, and I think, uh, for me, only one of those surprises worked. I think The Bare Necessities, I was waiting the whole way to hear that. <laughs> I love that song, and it's one of those songs that just gets in your head, and you just love, and you always sing it, and yeah, I was waiting for it, and I feel like it worked really well as a little bonding mechanism for the two of them singing it together. The King Louis song, Wanna Be Like You, felt really shoehorned to me and I didn't think I needed it. I don't know, how about you, Helen, what do you think about that? Yeah, um, like, they didn't go full, so, like, this isn't a musical, we should mm. say that, like, and it, they kind of, it is really, like, a reference to mm. the original rather than, because, uh, like, obviously in the original they're dancing and there's kind of, like, reprises mm -hmm. and all of that, and this this film doesn't do that. Um, I, I quite like the King, King yeah. Louis bit. Like, I think if you are sitting there, like, for us, you're sitting there, like, waiting for the big numbers, because they're not big numbers, mm -hmm. it can maybe feel a bit disappointing. But mm. actually, I think it worked a lot better. And, like, King Louis, it's a bit, like, it's a very creepy performance. Mm. Yeah. And, like, that kind of unsteady singing kind of, I don't know, I think it worked. You enjoyed it? Yeah. yeah. I think, you? yeah, it's, I mean, it's... it's in the long line of sort of idiosyncratic Christopher Walken performances, mm -hmm. this is particularly creepy. Yeah. And actually, I think King Louis in this is far less... I think he's a, a mischievous trickster in the Disney mm, version. Definitely. In this film, uh, this iteration anyway, he's, he's more like a sort of mob boss. Yeah. And is particularly threatening and is, uh, is, is really creepy, emerges from the shadow. They, we were talking about their sort of allu uh, various allusions to Apocalypse Now. Mm -hmm. But I felt as... At the same point, maybe it's just because he's he's a an ancient ape. I think it was yeah. a gigantic yeah, a gig or something. Yeah. And they mention it a number of times. They so changed they... what he was because he was an orangutan, but apparently I'm not going to be able to pronounce yeah. this. But the gigantic that's um that's actually a species that was native to india so they yeah. tried to make all of the animals native to I india it was a made-up word no. no and they're very aware i think that people are going that is an oversized orangutan <laughs> what on earth are you doing john favreau but they have reworked the lines from i wouldn't be like yeah. include it twice yeah so i thought you know they didn't need to be that scared of that i think no. they should just present that this is king louis look how majestic he is mm. look how threatening he is and I think they achieved that really well. He's massive. He is huge. Because <laughs> I think, yeah, initially, if you watch the trailers and some of the sort of uh, the Pro promotional stuff. stills, they it looked a little bit absurd, but it works actually. Particularly sort of his, you know, I think Blue says that that mound of flesh sitting on an ancient throne is quite yeah. impressive. <laughs> And it is, it is visually impressive. I mean, uh, all of the animals are so visually impressive though, aren't yeah. they? I think you can't not talk about Shere Khan, just incredible, the yeah. work, the animation there, just, it, that blew me away, it looked like a real tiger, and 
Idris Elba's voice yes. coupled with it, it it just seems so natural mm. maybe yeah. Idris Elba was born to be a tiger yeah. I'm kind of convinced <laughs> I think Idris Elba definitely imbued Shere Khan with that sort of majesty mm. yeah. that, that it needed because I think a lot of the vocal performances like Walkins isn't that comedic but obviously Bill Murray's is yes. then you have these weird small sort of desert rats that kind of pipe in and kind of reminiscent of those little field mice in Babe. Oh yeah, they oh, kind of, brilliant. They kind yeah. of trill and, and, mm-hmm. and repeat the same, the word. I thought that, you know, little bits like that were verging on a bit twee, mm-hmm. but actually um, Idris Elba's particularly majestic, but so is Ben Kingsley actually. Yes. As Bagheera, I thought Bagheera was suitably kind of serious. Yep. And he, he was, you know, reminiscent of the baggy from uh, the, you know, 1960s Disney version. Mm-hmm. Definitely, yeah. Um... I just want to talk about Baloo more. I love the bear. Oh, every time Baloo came on screen, I could not help but smile and just feel like a little kid again watching he him. He looked like a real bear. He did. I mean, they, the actual animation is amazing for all the animals, like, mm. just in terms of realism. Um, yeah, he's... I, like, the original Baloo has such a strong place in my heart. Just because yeah. I remember just finding it so funny and being like... He's, he's such a cool guy. Charm personified. Yeah. In bear form. Probably like my first crush. Baloo <laughs> <laughs> the bear. So then there was a part of me that like this isn't Baloo just because of the voice of Phil Harris. It's Phil Harris? Phil Harris. Yeah. So iconic. But um, like to imagine myself watching this again it, when I was like six or seven mm-hmm. I would have had that same thing because he's so, he's so charming and he's funny. He's so and, funny. I think most of the laughs come from that section, all the sections with him. Yeah. Yeah. There's oh. a great bit with the honey. When, yeah. Yeah. Uh, when Mowgli's trying to get the honey and it, that, then he gets like bee stings on him. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think it's probably the bee stings, like that sort of uh, reality of living, living in the jungle is really yeah. great in this. And that sort of throughout the film, even though I think that there's been some concern about the certification, whether it should be a 12A or a PG. Oh, really? Yeah, I think the the BBFC have got it right with PG. Me too. And I do think that it it has peril throughout it, but uh, I think it's like comfortably uh, tense and comfortably threatening. Yeah, this is something I was thinking about actually, because the original Jungle Book, I'm pretty sure I've watched that from about two years old, like very young, could watch it, follow the story, love the animals. But I think this Jungle Book is a step away from that. You couldn't watch that as a very, very young child. Although I think PG is right, you know, 12's way too old. But I think it's more of a maybe age 8 kind of film, 7, 8 to get into rather than... Certainly Shere Khan is, I'd say it's pretty scary for for young children. Yeah, and I think just how realistic as well the disfigurement of Shere Khan is. Yeah. Things like that. Yeah, like one of his eyes is very mm. disfigured, which is quite scary. But yeah, PG definitely. Yeah, PG's right. Uh, mild peril, I think. We've mild said. peril. Mild, sometimes moving into strong peril. <laughs> yeah, verging on <laughs> yeah. Um, some of, sort of the uh, the fights between certain creatures in this are, are pretty, yeah. pretty brutal. They don't shy away and show that sort of nature's red in tooth and claw. Yeah. And I think very early on somebody says something about, you know, living in the jungle. It's not that sort of... It's not that sort of place or something like that. When Bagheera, I think, initially starts to take mm. uh, Mowgli away from mm. the jungle to the man village. And also I liked that um, he doesn't ha- he's not like pristine, his skin, Mowgli's. He's got uh, scars and scrapes over him. Yeah. Apparently he's got an R and a K at some point yes. on his body to kind of 
Hey homage to Red oh, Jacket. See, like, I didn't see the eye. Yeah. I saw the little K. Oh, you saw the K? Yeah, yeah. yeah. that's really R clever. Somewhere as well. There's good lines from Kipling uh, about. There's a verse. Obviously, Kipling uh, often ended the because the Jungle Book is actually a collection of short stories. Stories, yeah. Uh, and there's two or three. You know, yeah, they were the Jungle Books. So. Yeah, and there's a sort of verse, a song in in all of them, and there's a bit about the jungle law. Mm-hmm. The strength of the pack is the wolf, and the strength of the wolf is the pack. Yeah, and I really liked that bit, actually, brought in at the beginning and then repeated as the film went on, yeah. that unified all of the animals together, and yeah, I enjoyed it a lot. Yeah, I think, I mean, like, the, sort of without going too much into plot, I think the, the, sort of, the general narrative, or at least the sort of dramatic tension seems to come from this, uh, the order in the jungle, mm. and so you do have this mantra running through it. Which is forgotten in places, usually under the threatening presence of Shere Khan, mm. who spouts his own sort of form of propaganda. But Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science, with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. It is ultimately the thing that, you know, that brings them together right at the end and the sort of the moment where they're about to pitch into absolute crisis. Um, they do round upon that sort of Kipling. So I think even with all these little concessions to Disney, it's quite nice that ultimately the thing that brings them, to, the t- them together is some sort of original verse from Kipling. Yeah, that's So I like the callback to source material is ultimately what wraps mm. the story up. Yeah. And to me, I thought, uh, was, yeah, it's just wonderfully magnanimous towards its source mm. material. Definitely. And um, some callbacks to other Lion... Um, other, Disney, <laughs> yes. other Disney, like The Lion King, uh, is a herd of wildebeest. And yeah. uh, Fall, that's very much like uh, Scar and Mufasa's Fall. Mm. Um, and sort of the rock uh, is, uh, that the wolves inhabit is similar to Pride. Yes. Pride Rock, yeah. Yeah, yeah there's a few, and apparently at the end, I didn't quite spot it, but there, there's a warthog in it, and apparently there's a warthog with a little um, meerkat as a homage to Timon and Pumbaa in there right at the very end as well. So yeah, I'm sure there are plenty of like, little Disney sure, Easter eggs yeah. <laughs> that we must have missed. We'll find it on the second 3D view. <laughs> yeah. I'm serious about seeing it again. Yeah. I genuinely really want to. Definitely. We've had a um, tweet this week from Kat Corbetti. I hope that's how I say your name, Kat. Um, so she's basically said that the Jungle Book is decent and sassy, which I think we kind of think, and it strikes a great tone for the mid-2010s audience. She says it's fun but she wonders if it's necessary and that she's been sensing a pattern of that within the like live action remakes. I'm wondering what we think about that. Do we think that this adaptation was necessary? Depends what you mean by necessary. I mean, I don't see film as necessary 
in that I don't think it's any story not is necessary for film to be necessary. Yes, I don't <laughs> yeah. I think it's unnecessary for film to be necessary. Yeah. Film is it, film is effectively is a visual medium that is you know is the way of telling a story in a in a visual mean. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think at this this time Jungle Book, a remaking of Jungle Book, uh, doesn't strike me as being uh, for any sort of ulterior motive. Mm-hmm. I think that um, Jean Favreau is you know has proven has a proven track record of taking films. Uh, making them on budget and turning out very sort of visually presentable stories. I think the Jungle Book or Jungle Book's classic examples of literature. And actually, I think this this film, uh, whether you feel that it's necessary or unnecessary for it to be produced at this point in time, mm-hmm. I think it's a it's a good uh, good adaptation that pays homage to a literary source and a filmic source. Mm-hmm. So, I, I I'm absolutely fine with John Favreau choosing or being given the Helming rights of this film. Yeah. What about you, Helen? She nailed it, mate. Absolutely nailed it there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't think it needs. It doesn't need to be necessary. It's really good fun. I'm glad. I'm glad they've done it. But I do think it. I think it packs a good message in the sense that you know, the the kind of order of the world and the order of the animals and how you can have a tyrant, but if you can kind of stand up together and acceptance of people's differences and things like that, it's a nice message. I think it's a nice message. My only slight concern. Uh, would be that this film, throughout this film, the animals are aware of Mowgli's kind of capabilities, more kind of human capabilities, mm-hmm. and they sort of, and they call them tricks. Mm. And then at the end, you could see that this, uh, you know, wild and uh, beautiful landscape is effectively rescued by the sort of wiliness and craftiness of a human being. Mm. So, and he, he is presented as a bit of a sort of saviour figure without giving too much away at the end. Well, because um, uh, there was a, re- a review in the Guardian that, that talked about this, and um, he is, although it, he's still a child who messes up a lot, he does, and yeah. uh, is saved by the the Baloo and uh, Bagheera. So I think it saves itself from becoming too much like that. Yeah. Um, but I know where you're going. Yeah, I think they they come close at points. Yes. Yeah. Um, I think uh, that it, yeah, I think then. Like any good story, any good narrative, you need to have a sort of unifying figure that the action kind of wraps itself around, and it just happens to be Mowgli, who happens to be a man-child. So you have a lot of people projecting many disparate thoughts and beliefs onto Mm -hmm. his very sort of skinny frame, skinny shoulders. And you're right, he does mess up, and it's a recurring theme throughout. And ultimately, he is actually rescued by a number of animals throughout the story. I think Mm. Bagheera, notably, Mm -hmm. Baloo as well. Um, But he does somehow manage to pull... The entire jungle together yeah. right at the end and I think there is that line by Bagheera about you know I've never he did something I've never seen in my all my years in the jungle he unified us in mm. one moment so I think it opens itself up to accusations like that but I do think it manages as you say to, to suitably dodge that just yeah. about yeah. for me I think it came close. But, okay, yeah. Yeah, because uh, yeah, that line by Bagheera, uh, it's like, never did I see such a small boy. And it was pointed out, I think it was a Peter Bradshaw review, the one that I'm talking about in The mm. Guardian. Uh, n- normally that film would end with, that was the moment I saw a small boy become a man. Yeah. And it's really clever how it says, bring the whole jungle together. And mm. like dodges that thing about him becoming a man and the man being the saviour. Yeah. Um, we're going to talk about a bit about the end of the film. We were saying uh, before we started recording that um, obviously 
this is a remake of a film that was based on a book so that the story is out there so spoilers aren't really um too uh, not too inappropriate word but we are going to talk a bit about the end now yes, and so some of the other points so turn off if you if you don't want to know what happens a little bit spoilery but not too much yeah, yeah. <laughs> um so the end uh is different from the mm. um 1967 animation because uh, in that one Mowgli goes um, sees a lady <laughs> and uh, pootles off to her and in this one he, he stays in the jungle yeah and he's sort of because I was kind of expecting he's on the back of the elephant in like kind of the very last shot yeah but yeah. it's a beautiful oh yeah they are very beautifully done Yeah, and I, I thought oh the elephant's going to take him back to the man village now he's mm-hmm. you know it's over but that's actually not the case no, it kind of performs an about turn at that point. Yeah. I agree with you. I thought you were definitely being directed towards a conclusion. And then, uh, again, it changes from darkness to light. Mm. And he's suddenly back in the jungle. And and it's a recall of, an, uh, I think, the opening scene. Mm. It's just completely, well, it's cyclical and it reflects the opening 100%. And there's the, re, you know, the jungle has been reordered. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, I've talked to people who've seen it and... They think that that might be a deliberate, judging by its sort of commercial success already, that it has opened itself That's up to a sequel. I thought too. Yeah. They didn't want to close the doors on a sequel for it. And under, I mean, they produced something that's that's well worth watching. Yeah. Uh, it, it sort of, I think, you know, it'll be interesting to see how they handle that because I think this this iteration, this version is is particularly strong. So. Yeah, it is, and mm. it feels complete because yeah, it doesn't feel like you need another story. It would have to be a. Well, a completely different story. Yeah, I wonder if yeah, I wonder that it's one of those things that if you if they make a sequel, they can kind of really shuck themselves off mm. previous screen adaptations and go. We can actually go into sort of you know virgin territory. Yeah, and do stuff with the characters. Maybe, I mean, uh, Carl's appearance in this film is particularly fleeting. Yeah, which is a little bit of a shame mm. because it's a quite memorable performance. Um, yeah, Scarlett Johansson's Scarlett Johansson's brilliant. And there's that kind of, you know, hint back to Trust in Me, which mm-hmm. I think is rather beautifully done. Yeah, there's so maybe... very nice uh, animation with the eye as well. I know you uh, pointed out it's particularly beautiful. Yeah, I mean, that's when we, the sort of uh, plot exposition yeah. of a previous story that I won't give too much away. Yeah. Because I think that's a really, that's a powerful segment. Mm. But the, yeah, the eye, particularly in this 3D version, the eye, the iris kind of collapses into a man's red fire. And this, uh, uh, the red flower, which is... Uh, yeah, beautifully done. Beautifully rendered, and like I said earlier, the flame in 3D, I think, was particularly strong. Mm, yeah. And what do we think about, you know, Mowgli, like, not going home because he's seen a girl, and or, as choosing to stay in the jungle? What do we think about that? Did we need to see him seeing a girl and growing up like that, or uh, it's, not? It's interesting, I think. I mean, they've, they've definitely... If we can see that they've left themselves open to a sequel. Mm. I was trying to think back, because he does... He does go towards the sort of very outskirts of man, the the village. Yeah. But all of the figures within the village are male. Mm. I think. I don't mm. think there. I don't think you can see any sort of women. I think you're right. And yeah. and um, they're all kind of carousing and drinking and celebrating. So, yeah. so all these sort of aspects must be alien. Mm. And it feels alien, and it feels mild. It does. I mean, they're enjoying themselves, but to mildly, it must be completely bemusing. Uh, and that's where he gets the fire from, which kind of enters the final act, you know, yeah. sort of 
precedes what happens next. But yeah, I wonder if that's that's deliberate that you don't yeah. see any female figure at all, really, any female uh, human character. Mm. I don't know what did people think about. No, that. I I think that's a good a good point that you you don't really see that that side of it. Um, I think it's kind of like in the same way that like Frozen and Tangled kind of purposely moved mm. away from that um, and everything's perfect because you found romance yeah and, like I think maybe it's doing a similar thing there Disney's where taking themselves away from that time yeah. every character up in a love story at the end um, which I think is good mm. and uh, you know the film is kind of about um, even though you're different you can all live together and that kind mm -hmm. of community feel which I, I think is a much stronger message especially for today um, yeah, I would worry if they were doing a sequel because then I imagine that would be mostly, oh no, I've seen that woman. <laughs> what am I going to do? Mean, there's something to be said about the fact that, you know, as a boy, he currently, you know, can see only the things he needs in that jungle. He doesn't need anything outside of that. He's got friendship, he's got family, he's got companionship. But I suppose what the original Disney is hinting to, that there's going to come a point where what's in the jungle isn't going to be enough for Mowgli. And yeah. maybe that's something that will be explored in a sequel yeah, as well. I agree, and actually I think this, you, yeah, talking about fellowship and sort of um, fraternity and that sort of childhood and sort of naive, or like that wondrous take on the jungle and he and he sees it for what it is, which is mm -hmm. essentially kind of a playground initially. Yeah. And I think that um, Bagheera says very early on about, uh, you know, the problem with men or man cubs is they take a, an awful long time to grow up mm. in comparison to the wolves. So yeah. I wonder if you're, you're right in that reading that, the sec if there is a sequel, which it seems quite likely, uh, whether that is going to be the sort of kernel of the that plot mm. point that it, he's aged somewhat and it's yeah it doesn't quite hold the same sort of wonder and amazement for him and he has to find another source of inspiration. Mm. I hope it's not like Tarzan. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's the trouble. <laughs> I mean, for now we can all stay in the childhood bubble though, which is great. The yeah. great thing about this film. Yeah, go see it. Yeah. <laughs> also, at the end, he's on the tree with Baloo, and then like Baloo does like a like he like nearly breaks the tree. And Classic they, Baloo. And Baloo. What's he like? Yeah, and they all like laugh at just as it ends in that very. <laughs> and uh, Mowgli looks so much like Lena Dunham. <laughs> in that moment, the way he laughs. Please tweet Lena Dunham. Yeah. The way he laughs, like, because she has such a wonderful, yeah. like, cheeky when she laughs. And I was like, it's Lena Dunham. <laughs> and I suspect that they just got her in. Do you reckon? Yeah. <laughs> just a little face more at the end. <laughs> so just go, even just for that, and then leave a comment whether you agree with me. The other yeah. cool thing about the end is the. Um, the book, the Jungle the book. book. Is, yeah. So they open with that in the original, oh, yeah. and they reuse it because the book never closes in yeah. the original um, 1967, and they use it as the end credits. And it's really lovely, and then it closes at the end. Yeah. So they bring it round full yeah. circle. Full circle, and now we can move on and do yeah. something new. Yeah. yeah, and there's some great kind of animation bits of the pages turning yeah, as well. Lovely. So um, stay around for the credits. Yeah, definitely don't miss out on that. Unless you need to go to the toilet, which I did and <laughs> kind of missed that. I saw the first sort of 30 seconds. Yeah, that's lovely. great. No, I need to wait. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, lots of water in this film. Yes, loads of river. Oh, well, there's a lack of river and then so much river that it might make you yeah. need a wee. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A surfeit to river. Yeah. <laughs> 
Can we give a shout out to the women in the chair behind us? Oh yeah, yeah. we went, I, this is one of my favourite things about cinema, is going in with loads of people and just general public and seeing people's reactions. In our screening, there was the most wonderful woman who had this range of noises I've <laughs> never heard before, from ooh, <laughs> ooh. <laughs> she was great, she made yeah. my cinema experience. It was so good, there's like, a little pangolian that's really, really sweet and it's a really good comedy character and she was, oh, he's nice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he is nice. <laughs> she was great. <laughs> She's brilliant. Yeah, this is a really fun film. Um, it's, uh, we've reviewed a lot of films so far on the podcast and this is one of the funnest and happiest films mm-hmm. it's something that's kind of occurred to me you don't get a lot of happy films like normally yeah. there's there's quite a lot of uh, heartache and, and sadness yeah. and seriousness so uh, give yourself a break guys and yeah. just go and see and go with everyone film. I think everyone can find something to love in this film the whole family yeah, yeah. Uh, absolutely yeah go and see it go and see it definitely 10 out of 10 from Helen 10 out of 10 yeah Oh, 9.5. Okay. Uh, 8.5. Oh. <laughs> so gone down in gradations, though. Yeah. But it's still very good. <laughs> it's still great, just me and Freddie are harder to play. <laughs> <laughs> I may have been a bit over the top. <laughs> <laughs> no, Helen, the bear. The bear gets hurt every time. Yeah. Yeah. So okay, uh, we will see you next week. Uh, thank you for listening. Thanks for listening. Thank and for if listening. you can uh, give us a rating on uh, the what's it called iTunes iTunes and yes <laughs> just one of the biggest <laughs> one of those yeah. things you can give us a rating on there or if you can tweet us or anything like that that would be really great or the SoundCloud or the SoundCloud yeah, yeah. <laughs> bye guys see you soon Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.